CKLU 96.7 on your FM dial. You might be listening synchronously as well at CKLU.ca. Oh, why am I talking fast? I'm not sure. Well, I know that when spacecraft leave the pad, it seems like they hang there for a little while, and then they pick up the pace, and then they just rocket into space. Well, where am I today? Nah, Sudbury's rocket ship. Or it looks like a spaceship anyways. Science North! And who am I with today? Dr. Latham McIntyre. Aletha, you have space enthusiasm. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> I have space dreams. Yeah, definitely. I really that was a movie. I think so. Really? Yes. Um, I, I, I have a, a hope that humanity will travel into space, that we will leave the planet, that we will explore at least our own solar system. Indeed. Well, we've gone beyond that with Voyager. Well, this is true, Or yeah. Star Trek called it V'ger, but you know, you know... <laughs> We've been sending messages out into space ever since we started doing radio transmissions. Absolutely. People know about us. Well, people, I'm saying people, I don't know. I think we're sending messages that says, uh, that say, um, these people are, or these animals are tasty. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We definitely have been sending signals out, right? Radio signals, yes, like inadvertently. Yes. Uh, um, crazy ones. Shop at Mike's Carpeting. You know, <laughs> I know. I what will they think of us? <laughs> I don't know. They'll probably go, what's a carpet? And we, we have What's done a car? What's a, a pet? A lot of robotic exploration of yes. the solar system. That's absolutely true. End of the moon, right? We've mapped the moon extensively. Like Isn't the, the crescent of the going right now. We're on the cusp of a Chinese landing, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, a lander. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, what, why are we here today? What's today all about? Here well, at Science North. Today we are celebrating Apollo 50. So at 4.17 this afternoon, 50 years ago, right? 50 years ago from 4.17 this afternoon is when the mm. eagle or the lander would have touched down on the Neil moon. Neil Armstrong. Buzz and then Aldrin, everybody, everybody forgets Collins. about Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> number two, right? You're always number two. You never yeah. can remember. And then, of course, Michael Collins, who had to stay in, in, in the, yes. the LEM, right? The yes. control module yes. and, and orbit the moon. It must have been the loneliest uh, job ever. Like when L- he John went wrote a song about that. Onto the dark side of the moon. Yeah, he was completely out of touch with, yes. with, with all humans. Yes. And those were days when computers were the size of houses and then they became the size of suitcases. And then I think I've got more computing power in my phone with all its stupid apps that, than what was on that. You're right. You're right. And, and it was a huge feat of software engineering. So Margaret Hamilton was the, the lead software engineer. She led the development of the code that allowed the lander to, to land on the moon. Exactly. Yeah. And you, the and you soft heard, landing. Yeah. Not like the Israelis just a few months ago. Theirs was not soft. It just <laughs> it crashed, smashed. We were afraid of that, weren't we? Yeah, 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 maybe missing and, targets. And even, and even, I mean, I, I've heard everyone was really holding their breath because when the Eagle did touch down, it was only with 30 seconds of fuel remaining. And, and that, that landing wouldn't have happened if 
uh, Margaret Hamilton's code that her team worked on that she developed wasn't as as great as it was. Robust. Robust. Now yes. you have more than just dreams. You've done things. You, you've <laughs> progressed through. You know, <laughs> it's always great to interview you, but just to talk to you, you always laugh about things. This, this, I mean, that you have that kind of spirit I, is yeah. great because I think it's probably what attracted you to many things. You wanted to be an astronaut. Yes. Or still hope to? Well, I I feel like I feel like I'm grounded. I feel like my role now is to inspire the next generation. Maybe eventually I can actually support um, astronauts who are running a greenhouse on Mars, and I can be their their ground support back at Mission Control, saying, "Well, you know, have you checked the uh, the, 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 the nitrogen levels?" <laughs> Because you yes. want to grow, I mean, like we saw the Martian. Yeah. We, most of, I don't know if the audience saw the Martian. He grew potatoes and poo. Yeah, and that was my dream to, <laughs> to, to go to Mars and to do that. Well, you can come and grow potatoes at Norcat. I don't, I don't have poo for you, but, well, I could, I suppose. <laughs> I'm, 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 you might have to I'm, take I'm, a station bake. We're laughing too much. I'm intrigued by the. Um, the drifts that we have, right? Yes. Those underground spaces. Because in Canada, one of the major costs of our greenhouses is heating. Right. So if we, we can have lots greenhouses, of heat downstairs. yeah, in a below ground, below ground. Yes. Um, and and we have the LED lighting now. We yes. have those advances, so mm. we could actually be growing food. So not here outer in space for you, maybe, but inner space. Earth is our spaceship, and it, we are all crew. And we need to figure out how to live here. We're traveling. I wrote an article about it some time ago. We're traveling at like a ridiculous speed round as we stood, but round, but also expanding outwards. It's like phenomenal. Thousands of kilometers per hour. It blows your mind. It's it's amazing. And our galaxy, our whole galaxy is moving through Big space Bang Theory as well, had the right? song. Yes, uh, you those, those beautiful spiral, yes. spiraling graphics that, that show our path through space is actually a sort of spiral. But pattern. we wouldn't see that if we just got out there. We need to use the Hubble t- Space Telescope to to see those. We we're not going to get there, you and I, are we? <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Fifty years ago, who thought we'd be doing? what we are today celebrating those 50 we've had so many advances yeah and it really is you have to imagine it before you can do it at one point in time telephones were science fiction so what's a telephone <laughs> so exactly right we've moved so so the first step is imagining it and um, actually Dr. Shauna Panja, our speaker here today. I wanted to ask today, you who is here today, Shauna Panja. Yes, um, she and I did our masters at the same um, school which is the International Space in University France. in Strasbourg, France and one of the things that they taught us is that likely uh, space tourism is going to be a next big step but I'm seeing that we need to get this rolling started. Let's, so let's do that. Cheers. Ideas 
for new things to do with our visitors. And so what we were thinking about today, which is, as I think all of you know, a very special day, it's the 50th anniversary of the lunar landing for Apollo 11, uh, the team came up with some really exciting things to do. And you've been watching some of them on screen. There's lots of special things happening. Um, but one of the things that we did today was bring in a special speaker for you. And so I'm going to take a couple of minutes to do some special readings and some acknowledgement of place and space. That is from Edmonton, so she is Canadian. She is a scientist astronaut candidate with Project Possum, which stands for Polar Suborbital Science in the Upper Mesosphere. She's also a physician, so if you're here to see our Body Worlds exhibition, there's an interesting connection with the human body and the work that Shauna does as a physician. She's a martial artist. She's an advanced diver. She's a skydiver, a pilot in training, and she is an incredible speaker and science communicator. So she has got this amazing resume. I'd like to thank you again. We've got a, an almost full audience here. There's a few people that I wanted to also welcome um, in our audience. So ScienceSource CEO is here as well, uh, Mr. Guy Levine. And we also have one of our board members, Dr. Stephen Kozar, who's joined us. So we've got a great audience. And Shauna, I am going to hand it over. Thank you for joining us and welcome. Around the world, my goodness. Well, actually out in space and, and beyond. We've just come out of a presentation that uh, basically gives us a, a vision of the future. If you could tell us who you are and, and what you talked about and, and why you talked about it, because, I mean, it's, it's outstanding, really, to think about the, the changes we've made and the future. My name is Dr. Shauna Pandya. I'm a scientist astronaut candidate and a physician, and I just gave a talk on 50 years of space, but the twist is we started talking about the past 50 years of space and then looked at what might happen in the next 50 years of space in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. We would not have really, I mean, our brains, I don't think, are, are really set up to, some people are. I mean, we've had visionaries. We've had Arthur C. Clarke. We've had uh, Jules Verne. We've had many people who have thought about the possibilities. But I think most of us get wrapped up into day-to-day -day things. And you, you kind of gave us a, moved all those quotidien kind of things away and said, look bigger. And it's, it's so important to keep that imagination in, in every, every aspect of our lives, whether we're going through our days as explorers or an astronauts or, or doctors, because that's how big discoveries are made by keeping that question, that ever nagging question in our minds of what if, what if this could be, what if I could do this, what if I could go there? Um, and that's how we get to these, these things that would have otherwise remained hidden from us. Now, you had a vision at some point in time that took you down this road. When you were a, a five or seven year old kid, did you have like cat out space stations all floating around the ceiling? Did you get the, you know, you know, you can get those stars that you turn the lights off and they glow. They've got uh, yes. a phosphorescent material in them. Did you, did you get us, did you have a, a, a did you have a telescope when you were a kid? I did. So it's, it, you know, it was it was always nascent, that love for space. It was always there. And so I, I, I will tell you that all of my junior high homework assignments were all about astronauts. So if somebody space. said, write about Romeo and Juliet in your English class, you made them into spacemen. 
yeah, space people. Yeah, like Romeo and Juliet <laughs> in space. Space. <laughs> and uh, I definitely had the glow-in-the-dark stars when I was 12. I had a telescope when I was 10. But one thing that really um, leaps out at me as, as formative, so in 1992, that was the shuttle class, um, I think when Chris Hadfield, Roberta Bondar, Steve McLean, Bob Thirsk, um, or that was around the time they, they flew. And... Um, the Canada Post had um, had published this commemorative series about Canada and space, and it was just so well done because it was like these these little pamphlets, but they were holographic and they had pullouts, and they were just so visually and tactilely fascinating and fun and so they had all these factoids about space like how long a day on mercury would last or how long a year on pluto was or what the density of saturn was and how it would float in a bathtub because it was so so light and i just remember being obsessed with that and the beauty of that and just loving that as a catalyst for space and just reading that over and over sounds like you also had great teachers who maybe allowed you allowed you to to imagine and also encourage that kind of um, looking forward is, is that true like even in elementary school and secondary school they say go go ahead Shauna you you do what you need to do I had a lot of great support growing up um, particularly from my parents and so I was definitely an unusual child I would always read read <laughs> read to the point where my mom once called into a radio talk show who we were talking about uh, child psychology problems and she said my kid reads too much what do I do um, so I mean <laughs> hang on just a minute you're you've been doing amazing adventures now so kind of ba- what's your mom think of all this um, now she's going oh yeah you read all the time now you do all these crazy scuba things and so my my, um, my parents are universally generally supportive They're, they do have the odd time when they say so were you ever going to do normal people stuff like <laughs> like settle down um, but for the most part they're they're pretty supportive and and say you know this this is incredible uh, it, it's terrifying be safe but but we're we're proud so I'm really lucky in that respect are you still an avid reader uh, I try my best. These days it's more more scientific um, type journals, um, uh, are, are scientific articles. Um, I do, but I definitely have um, piles of books on my bookshelf. I have a complete inability to, to walk out of a bookstore without reading. And I think I would say maybe three, three four genres stick out um, uh, on my bookshelf. So definitely uh, all the astronaut autobiographies. Um, I just got Scott Kelly's book, uh, Endurance, A Year in Space. Um, uh, Chris Hadfield's book, of course. Yeah, Chris Hadfield's it's is my autographed, favorite. Autographed, I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's as if you've been to my bookshelf. <laughs> uh, yeah, so An Astronaut's Guide to, to Earth is probably one of my favorite books. Um, Scott Parazinski's book. So, so there's the astronaut autobiography genre. Um, I read a lot about leadership, um, and then le- read a lot about character and resilience and grit and survival. For some reason, mm. <laughs> uh, who knows why? And then also, I just love the classics. So, I also have, um, you know, the pages uh, and bookshelves dedicated to the Count of Monte Cristo or Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Um, so, so I would say those are the big, big three or four categories. Because there is exploration here still on this planet Absolutely. to do. There's, so my favorite fact about human exploration is that we have only explored 5% of the ocean floors to date. 95% of the oceans remain un, unexplored. And to this date, 12 people have set foot on the moon, while only four people have been to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Um, the deepest trench uh, of the ocean mm-hmm. and so off so, the coast of the Philippines yeah in yes. the Pacific Ocean and so we we have all these we have these um, 
thoughts that you know we've discovered all there is to discover on earth but there's so much and the, the cool thing about science and building off discoveries that came before us whether it's about drug resistance or chemotherapy for cancer or or even new discoveries in cancer is or sorry new discoveries in astronomy is that we find that as much as we know when we push the limits there's more to uncover and that's why we discover that's why we that's why we do things like go to the bottom of the ocean that's why we climb the tops of mountains and that's why we push the limits because if we didn't how would we know what comes next well i love the fact that in your 50 years of visioning you talked about the end of mosquitoes and the end of cancer and the end of i i just find it very interesting that in many science fiction movies about the future people still smoke and people still do other things that are, are, are not beneficial to human health. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, it's fascinating. And even in my day-to-day -day life as a physician, I often think about the psychology of what drives us as humans and as, as patients. And I think if I, would have, if I had figured it out by now, maybe I'd have a Nobel Prize because, <laughs> um, you know... Maybe you will. I, Just I can, wait for it. I, you know, I can, I can tell you why you need a medication, but I can't make you take it. And, I, and often figure out the why of why someone won't, won't take a medication or would take a medication, you know, is the missing piece or convincing someone of the, the, the utility of the long, slow game of, of exercise and careful diet and going to physiotherapy rather yoga. than uh, or yoga or, or instead of going to a, a cure-all, um, you know, there's no, no one pill fix it. Not mm. their surgery isn't always the answer. An MRI isn't always the answer. But knowing that the bigger problem is the psychology of why people think the way they do. And I think that's a, it's a pertinent problem. And no, understanding the psychology of how we're wired as humans is just as uh, uh, pertinent as in everyday life, in the, in the clinic, and also in exploration. It starts so early, though. We talked about elementary school and secondary school. If you were talking to, and you were just a few minutes ago here at Science North in the Cavern, talking to young people, mm -hmm. qu quite young, maybe maybe even five-year-olds, mm -hmm. what would you say to them about the future and about space? So what I would, I would just listen. I want to hear their ideas about space because we, the, the reason that we have um, such, such tunnel vision and such thinking is because it starts at a young age and partially it's because we need to teach children life skills about growing up and how to be productive members of society. But we also need to, to unleash that creativity. And so I want to hear their ideas about space and where we should go and why we should go there and who they're going to bring with them because that's what the excitement is. That's, that's why we do crazy things like go to the moon or talk about going to Mars, you know, to push those limits. And I want to see, you know, what, what the next generation is thinking about where they want to explore. Well, we're trying as a nation to do that with STEM programs at high school. Are you a graduate of a STEM program? Or, or, I, I, because I really don't know how old you are. You look so young. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the compliment. Um, so I, I always had a scientific bent. I did um, the full IB diploma program back in the day in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I always pursued all avenues of academia. Um, and I always just read a lot. And so I know your mother called into <laughs> <laughs> that's something that's probably something she would do. Um, so so I think the way that discussion changes now is um, how do people learn? 
focusing on how they learn and how we can nurture it. And I think this is the perfect time to be alive for that because we have, we live in the age of do-it-yourself, of DIY. And plenty. We have everything. We have massive online open courses. All, not all of us. Um, not right. everybody has access. Not That's everyone true. has access. And internet access. Not even in our own country. A- internet access, even in, in Canada and in rural parts of Canada, can, can be better. And that's a huge catalyst to being to empowering yourself because there's so much we can learn and teach ourselves by watching a video on YouTube um, or, or reading or, you know, having a discussion with someone. And, there's, and I think that's a really important thing to focus on is that different people will learn in different ways. And just because two people don't learn in the same way from the same medium, um, that's, that's one thing to keep in mind is they may still have that STEM interest. They may still have that science interest. It just may not be nurtured in the same way. In, have you been to Science North before? This is my first time. Your first time? Well, I hope there's a little bit of an opportunity for you to walk around. Me too. Because places like this, I mean, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, Montreal, and, and around the world, there are science centers that open doors for mm-hmm. imagination, open doors for mm-hmm. not just young people, people of all ages. Uh, I hope that here at Science North, you, you get that sense that we are adventurous. Definitely, you know, from the conversations I've had today about about even just how the staff here approach creativity and, and knowledge to, to even just how the, the center is built. Like we are living in a drilled out, we're working, we're sitting in a drilled out rock here and that's like you can you can feel the coolness of the rock emanating like you feel like you're in a cave and it's it's not just something that was James there. Bond very James Bond but without <laughs> the evil villain no, lair no, uh, and then and it's, it's something that requires upkeep and maintenance like they they were the staff was telling me that like they they every two years to make sure that there's no um, fall down from yeah, the ceiling. Loose rock, yeah. Every, they have to scale. They have to scale every every two years, and you have to go through every single square inch, and that's that's a lot of work. But it's just the 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 outside face um, and the end product of being able to live in the side of a giant and rock learn and learn. Yes, you know, it's it's very conducive to well, that. Well, I think Julie Muscalic is ready over there for for a walkabout. Is there enough time for her to go and visit some of the science center? There is. We uh, so we started off with a little bit of a tour, and now I know that our team is anxious to oh, hey, anxious. show off 100%. Shauna what we think is the best science center in You've all of Canada. You've come at a really good time of year, although the science center is open 11 months of the year. 12 months of the 12 year. 12 months of the year, there's a bit Three, of a break. 362 days a year with the addition of our two-week shutdown in January. Ah, okay. So. If someone wanted to go to find you on the web, they'd just type in Shauna Pandya. Yeah, so I have a website, shawnapandia.com, S-H-A-W-N-A-P-A-N-D-Y-A.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at shawnapandia. I found you on Twitter. And Dr. Shauna Pandia on Facebook. Thank you so much for being our guest here on CKLU 96.7. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being in Sudbury, too. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun.